0: Welcome to the Drake Basketball Podcast. In the latest news, Drake beats Bradley at Bradley, 74-67, behind 22 points from Tucker Devries and 19 points from Darnell Brody. Eduardo, this is a tightly contested contest at times. Were able to watch.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was uh, I was ready for it, just as an entire sold-out crowd at Bradley was ready for it. Probably one of our more anticipated matchups in the MVC this season, just because of all the history with Bradley. So a really fun one on Saturday. And I guess I'd start out by saying that overall, I was very impressed by how the Bulldogs came out executing early. And really, essentially having their best conference road win of the year by far I would say and when once we start going into it you know it probably wasn't even our best performance once you dig through the numbers but still figured out a way to get it done in a in a hostile environment
0: yeah the Bradley fans were definitely fired up uh, you know they showed the guy in his red suit jacket screaming at the officials probably 10 to 15 times and i saw connor uh, talking some trash with bradley fans who had been heckling him all game long afterwards so it was definitely a hostile environment for the drake team
1: yes yeah, definitely hostile
0: bradley fans were they completed the red out theme getting very red in the face at times screaming at the refs they went all in and brian wardle you know kicking over the chair just to really fire up the guys, get them going.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it was, uh, I think what I said on Twitter, you know, it, it really was the full Bradley experience, you know, from Bradley getting into a hole. You mentioned that the last podcast of Bradley kind of tends to do this. Then they come back. You got bad Duke Dean. You got good Duke Dean in the same game. Uh, you got Connor Higman getting injured, which has been, you know, a trend this season, but then coming back and still having a pretty decent performance. So you really did get the full Bradley experience. And in the end, they got the full Drake experience because it usually ends up with Drake winning. Yeah, Duke Dean was a monster in this
0: game, went 10 for 21 from the floor, three of eight from three, had 23 points and we really had issues containing him especially in the second half when he was just coming over the top of the screens Atten might be a step behind and he'd just pull up for three or drive into the mid-range to pull up he had a great game and that sort of unfortunately ties into a trend that we've had this year of struggling to contain really quick guards Mm -hmm. and I mean looking back at Alston Mason from Missouri State obviously other games as well and I think that may have led to Coach DeVries going with that smaller three guard lineup towards the end of the game, where he was running with Connor, Atten, and Colby Garland, making his return in the Bulldog uniform after a knee injury. He wore a brace, but he did look good in the limited minutes that he played. I thought he did a really nice job staying with Duke Dean. But yeah, credit to Duke for making the tough shots.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the reason why I said you kind of got the, the, bad Duke Dean and good Duke Dean in the in the same game. He was awful the first half. Couldn't buy a bucket. I think he started two of eight or two of nine. But then second half rolls around and now you get good Duke Dean, which was I mean he was he was definitely in a rhythm. We didn't do a great job containing him and fighting through screens at times, but I, I really felt like The last four minutes of the game, it was very clear that the directive to Colby was no matter what, you're staying on him, you don't switch anything and you stay attached. And he actually defended Duke Dean really well the last four minutes, which was huge for Drake. But let's start out with the first half because Drake came out in a really good rhythm, um, you know, really executing. And it, it all started really with Brody kind of imposing his will down low. So
0: funny because you and I talked about how we had a potential mismatch with Brody inside because they're big, weighs 200 pounds, Darius Hanna. And what they did ultimately was they threw a mix of Darius Hanna, freshman Iceland man, Almer Atlason, and seven foot one, Ahmet Janovic, I think is how you pronounce the last name. But between all three of them, there really wasn't anything that they could do to slow down Darnell. Really, the only thing that slowed Darnell down was foul trouble because he did get three early in the second half. But yeah, Coach DeBreeze went to Brody early and often to start off the game, got it inside. He was just really having his way, getting those little looks off the glass. And I think it kind of set the tone for the rest of the game because right off the bat, the Bradley crowd quieted down. they had been loud to start with. And like we've talked about also in the past, when we start off scoring inside, this team looks so much better because then it's like Tucker just sort of has a little bit of pressure taken off him. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, we're already succeeding in one aspect of the game. Then Tucker can just start firing away and the
1: whole team looks better as a result. We probably underestimated how much of an advantage we had inside on Bradley. You know, maybe we overlooked it because in years past, they've had solid big men, but that was definitely the weakest point for Bradley. And and like you mentioned we figured it would be more Darius Hanna but early on it was Adlison and Brody was getting such deep position on him really taking advantage of of the weight difference there so that was surprising and you know when you take a step back uh, Brody had a monster game with 19 points uh really was the key down the stretch but Nate Ferguson also had 10 points you know they had a, a bunch of issues just matching up with our bigs and not allowing the deep, deep possessions or post-ups, I should say. So, I mean, 29 points from Brody and Ferguson. I mean, I believe coming into the game, Ferguson was averaging about three points a game. Brody's around 12, I think. So really, like, doubling their scoring output, that was huge. But they came out, and really the only thing that Drake did poorly the first half was they turned it over eight times. So, you know, they were a little bit clumsy with the ball and kind of allowed Bradley to be within striking distance because... Other than that, I mean, they shot over 60 percent the first half. They were getting wide open three, wide open layups, you know, rim runs for Nate Ferguson. So a, a really well executed first half aside from the turnovers. Turnovers were really the
0: reason that this margin of victory wasn't bigger because Drake had 16 turnovers on the game, which is six more than their season average. And give Bradley credit, as the announcers never tired of saying Bradley is the longest team in the Valley. And when they start to get those long arms and passing lanes, it can disrupt your offense. But other than that, yeah, Drake was executing really well for the first half and the first half of the second half.
1: Yeah, I mean, they went into the break uh, up 11. Bradley comes out. They cut it to seven, uh, but then Drake quickly turned that into a 17-point lead, and it looked like they were about to kind of run away with it. But you really shouldn't count Bradley out. They do compete. You know, they do execute. They do stay kind of true to what they run on offense, and... And they did start hitting shots, you know, Connor Hickman and obviously Duke Dean taking over. I actually thought their freshman guard, Damarian Birch, gave them really good minutes, which you alluded to. It was strange to see Drake play so small for those long stretches because for a lot of that, it was the three guards, Tucker and either Nate or Brody. So Kevin Overton only played what was it, 23 minutes, I believe, which is a lot yeah. a lot less than what he's used to. So, so that was interesting of just trying to find the right matchups to slow them down. Bradley found a way to get back into it. I thought the biggest shot of the game, by the way, was Tucker hitting that three after that massive run from Bradley to cut it to two. Draft 15-0 run, essentially, and he hits a highly contested top of the key three with leon's all over him and then silences the crowd i I need someone to to clip that for me because that was a pretty a pretty baller shot yeah he had a few of those where
0: bradley was getting all riled up they're like all right we're back in this and then debris just came down and would hit a deep three coming off a screen and it just goes quiet so that was a lot of fun to watch obviously it was funny we talked about this offline but there were some bradley fans on twitter
1: talking about how at least they'd shut DeVries down. And yeah, I mean, what a compliment, right? Like what a compliment that by and large, like if you just all the tweets I saw, even even the announcers uh, alluded to it in the broadcast of like, oh, they've done a really great job on Tucker, especially on the second half. Like what a compliment that that's your main takeaway from the game when that guy still has twenty two points, two points over his season average and really I mean he was in full control the first half second half yeah you know I think Bradley committed more to not switching Drake did a good job in the first half of baiting Bradley into some of those switches like at one possession Connor Hickman is on Tucker Debris like how how does that even happen in a basketball game so <laughs> you credit coach Debris for finding those mismatches uh, so they did a better job of making sure Leons was on him uh, in the second half but It's just funny like to come out feeling like hey we shut him down that just tells you (laughs) this guy is really good (laughs) yeah and i guess if you
0: want to get psyched about something from a defensive standpoint if you're bradley they did shut down his production for eight minutes because he had 22 points with eight minutes left in the game so over that last eight minute stretch where really nobody from drake scored and not even i'm i don't need to generalize because the only person that scored for the last 7-19 was Brody. He scored Drake's final 13 points of the game, including five free throws. But yeah, like Darnell was just doing it all because he was out for the first 10 minutes of the second half with foul trouble. And then once he yeah. came in, he just controlled the game.
1: I felt like Coach Debrice maybe was a little bit conservative with the fouling situation with Brody. First half, I think he picked up his second with six or seven minutes. Same thing, probably figure, say hey, we're up big, Nate's playing well. Let's sit him down. A couple minutes into the first or in the second half, Brody gets his third. Same mentality. Hey, Nate's playing well. And he did. You know, he he kept scoring in the second half, but he doesn't have the same presence that Brody does. Uh, So I think we probably were a little bit conservative with his foul trouble just because we were up. Probably should have put Brody back in the game sooner uh, because he was dominant down the stretch, just getting rebounds, just being a pest. And Bradley got caught in between wanting to have guards out there themselves for their scoring and then having to match up with Brody on the other end because they could not keep him off the glass, especially those last couple minutes. And I mean, it's tough because we've seen what happens when Darnell isn't in there.
0: Like if you look back at Indiana State game where obviously he fouled out and then down the stretch, you're left with your backup big who doesn't have that physical presence. Cause I mean, we've talked in the past obviously Ferguson does a great job. He fills a huge role in this team, but he doesn't have that huge physical presence that Darnell does. And perhaps more importantly, like Darnell has gotten to be a pretty good free throw shooter and late in the game, when all rebounds are being fought for and the chance of you going to the line gets higher and higher and higher, having someone in there that can knock down free throws at a high clip becomes so much more important because then it turns it into a two possession game rather than a one possession game. And especially in this game, Every time they got close, they cut it to three and Darnell went to the line or got a rebound and put it back up. It just made such a huge difference.
1: Yeah, We, we joked about the Wardle kicking of the chair, but that was right after Bradley has a great possession. They don't box out. Brody gets the rebound. And that happened kind of back to back possessions where one, he actually got the bucket and the other one, he got fouled and then made both free throws. That's where the kicking of the chair came in because uh, yeah, Brody is such a presence. And 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 I also want to add, I thought Ferguson was great. Again, good to see him respond after the, the missed free throws against Indiana State last week. And I guess we should mention, I mean, we kind of felt like we lost that game because of the free throws. And in this one, it was actually Bradley that just uncharacteristically was missing free throws. Like Connor Hickman went three of six. They shot six of 14 as a team and Drake 10 of 12. So Again, it's the little things. We talked about it last week. It's the little things in those close games in the Valley. And thankfully, this time, we did a little bit better job uh, with the free throws. One thing that stood out, just kind of taking a step back and looking at the game as a whole, you know, the fact that we went into Bradley, you know, a really tough place to win, and we got 15 points from Connor, Adden Wright, and Overton combined, and we still won by seven should tell you a lot about the different ways that Drake can figure out ways to win. In the end, I felt like we played well. You didn't feel like, man, this was an A-plus performance from Drake.
0: No, and dude, the reason that is, is because of the emerging role of Carlos Rosario, Kyron Gibson showing up, and obviously Ferguson, as you already mentioned, because Drake's bench outscored Bradleys 18-8. to Yeah, Carlos came in and went on a little five point run all on his own. Knocked down that corner three, scored one at the hoop. And like we've said it before and we will continue to say it throughout the season, but his length makes such a difference. Five seconds after he checked into the game for the first time, he pulled down a rebound that was contested in traffic because he's so long and got fouled on it. So you draw a foul on Bradley and you retain possession. So I think the fact that Coach DeVries has recognized the impact that he can have on a game if given minutes and is really starting to implement him a little bit more to give, obviously, starters some more breathing time, too, is awesome. And I think that's going to continue to pay dividends as we get later into the season and once we enter tournament play.
1: Yeah, and I have been very skeptical of our bench throughout the season, and I've pointed out kind of the lack of production. So I do believe the last five, six games, our bench has consistently been doing better, doing better, doing better. And then, like you mentioned, outscoring Bradley 18 to 8 was huge. So I think the bench is really starting to come along as a unit. And I think a lot of that is the Carlos Rosario impact of just having a guy. Again, sometimes when you talk about bench scoring and bench production, it doesn't mean you need a guy that scores 20 a game. It means that you have a guy that can come and impact the game offensively with a couple threes, a couple assists. That's really what you're looking for. And when you piece it all together, when you already have a really strong starting unit, that's all you're asking for. And I think collectively, the bench is doing a really good job. And it was great to have Colby back as well. Uh, We weren't sure if we were going to get Connor or Colby, one or both. And luckily we got both.
0: Yeah, and we need to give a shout out to Connor Enright because what a freaking game from him. Ten rebounds, eight assists. From a point guard. What a line.
1: Yeah. Hitting the glass
0: like that, like echoes of Garrett Sturts. You don't expect to see Connor Enright coming down with 10 boards, but he went out there, he was fighting for every ball. And you can see when shots go up, he does a really good job of reading where he thinks the ball is going to bounce. I remember I'd always read interviews from Bill Russell and he'd talk about how important it was to know the percentages of where balls bounce. If someone's shooting from a corner, chances are it's bouncing long. It's not going to ricochet into the lane. It's going long over. And so he'd talk about how important that was and how he determined where he'd position his body And I'm not calling Connor Enright Bill Russell just yet, but I did notice he did a
1: really good job of getting in position. No, I mean, you hear coaches talk about this all the time, and in in the sense of like, okay, if you're not having a, a good scoring night, you know, figure out other ways to impact the game. And Connor definitely did that. You know, he did a really good job of moving the ball, of pushing the ball in transition, and again, just rebounding. As we heard from the announcers, Bradley's one of the longest teams in the conference. And and Drake managed to out rebound them 36 to 29. You know, healthy clip there. So, and a lot of that was Connor uh, crashing down. So, really, you know, when you take a step back, Tucker has a good game, Brody has a good game, and then it's really Connor just coming through with a massive line, even though he only scored two points. Um, so again, they pieced it together. They had 16 turnovers. Didn't shoot it well in the second half, allowed the big run from Bradley, but they never lost the lead. After they built it, Bradley cut into it to two points multiple times, and they just never were able to get over the hump. Just thinking back to uh, banalities expressed by announcers,
0: I feel like if you're a Drake fan, you've heard a thousand times, Tucker playing for his dad, avoided some awkward Thanksgiving dinners, huh? (laughs) And if you're a Bradley fan, you hear a lot about their length. And specifically when Duke Dean is on the floor, the little guy with the big heart, a big shot from the little guy. They just love to hit on that whenever he does anything. And I get annoyed if I was him. It's it's like, I'm a good basketball player, too. Like, you don't need to talk about the fact that I can't reach the top shelf every time I (laughs) touch
1: the ball. Yeah. Like at some point, Duke Dean should be able to say. I'm a starting guard for a really good program in D1. Can we stop focusing on the fact that I'm (laughs) 5'8"?
0: But no, you get Kevin Lehman out there. You know, I've noticed he's a little bit shorter than most of the fellas out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And on the Bradley standpoint, like, they didn't shoot it well the first half. You know, they missed some open looks. But again, when you're looking at trends or things that... Can translate for when we see them in des moines or we see them again in, in arch madness At the end of the day duke dean has one of his best games of the season uh, connor hickman scores above his season average malvi leons scores above his season average so again from a production standpoint it was a pretty good bradley game and then drake still managed to pull out the win because i know I know I saw some messages going out from the Bradley fans, like, oh, we had a horrible performance. And it's kind of like, well, not really. I mean, you did get a lot from your top three guys. Yeah, you're always
0: going to look for somewhere to uh, assign blame when you talk as much trash about a specific school as Bradley fans do, because they're notorious for posting specifically about Drake. And you'll see fans of other schools on Twitter go out, and question why do you post about drake so much and then they get very grumpy about that as well but so obviously when you then lose to the school that you complain about constantly there has to be a reason other than the fact that they're better at basketball so
1: you're gonna get a fluke shooting night officiating shutting yeah, down tucker but somehow still ended up with 22 points uh, which i don't hold, really know what that looks like defensive
0: masterpiece holding tucker <laughs> to only two points over his season
1: average. <laughs> yeah, and and again, like what bigger picture? Huge win for Drake to kind of solidify itself in the two spot uh, in the valley, improving to 11, 11 and three in conference, and Bradley is now nine and five. Uh, so you kind of open that two game gap, and you're kind of solidifying yourself. Hopefully, not dropping anywhere from two to three uh, for for Arch Madness, and also should be said, you know, good win for the resume. I I, I know. I feel like we talk about this every two weeks. Like at large birth, definitely dead, right? But maybe not. That's the funny thing, because it's always it's it's always changing, and it does depend on what other teams are doing. So, so it is a good win for the resume for Drake. And I'm not gonna say it's over, because there's still a shot. We keep saying if we went out, well, if <laughs> we went out, and you lose in the MVC title. I think that there would still be a small chance, a small chance.
0: In the words of Silvio from Sopranos every time i'm out they pull me back in
1: yeah we keep trying or i keep trying to declare their at large birth dead but you know they keep coming out with uh big, eduardo's big the wins. doctor
0: he's he's declared drake dead multiple times and i'm just <laughs> continuing to pound on the chest performing cpr
1: no, no, no just their at large birth i've always felt good about <laughs> still their chances to win the mvc title but no it was a, it was a huge win. And just felt good to get a good road win, you know, after losing to Indiana State coming into the game. Drake was only three and four in the Valley and in road games. So this is a big win. And now you kind of built up a little bit of momentum, a little bit of a lead. Um, and you can start kind of really start honing in on these last few games left on the calendar.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the sneaky story here is from a seeding standpoint, because Bradley is now only one game ahead of Southern Illinois, and they still have to play Southern Illinois too, so if Bradley could get knocked down to that four line and be on the same side of the bracket as Indiana State, that would be optimal for Drake fans, because then you've got us matching up against Southern Illinois, who obviously is a very good team, um, but I I don't think they're quite on the level. bradley and indiana state yet and if bradley and indiana state had to take out
1: each other i think any bulldog fan would take that yeah because because bradley is the third best team in the conference i i think to me that's clear um but it doesn't mean that they'll end up in the three seed for the reasons you just outlined. I mean, there's still a chance you going into yesterday. I thought you and I was well positioned to potentially steal that third seed, but unfortunately the pesky flames uh, proved too much on Sunday. Now it's looking like Southern Illinois might have the inside track to claim that. And Eduardo, I just want to
0: give you my condolences because I know the Panthers were your preseason. Number one, Obviously, they struggled a little against UIC, but UIC is a powerhouse in their own right. So I think your Panthers could still make a run, definitely finish top half of the conference.
1: (laughs) And it's funny with you and I, because they are so up and down, which who knows, man? Like, who knows where they'll be at the end of the season? I still think they, they have enough scoring and coaching to be dangerous, but they just, the last few years... They can't put it together for longer than a three-game stretch. I, I think that's that's safe to say.
0: Yeah, and regardless of record, Drake still has to play at Cedar Falls, which will be an extremely tough game. They'll come out, I'm sure, firing on all cylinders. Um, but oh, yeah, absolutely. We're not, we're not looking that far ahead yet. Where we have to look next is to Evansville. And the Aces are currently 6-8 and eight in Valley play. You may remember them from when Drake beat them by 50 earlier in the season but the key thing to remember about that is this is not that team and that is because ben Humricus is am i saying that right Eduardo? i couldn't find a
1: pronunciation you know i say humicris, so you're probably not too far off now i'm saying i say it that way i don't know if that's correct but that's what it sounds okay. like to me i feel like we should just a nickname like Giannis. we can come we can just call him ben <laughs> So if we say Ben, it means Ben (laughs) Humacris. All right, I like
0: like that solution. Okay, so Ben is Evansville's best player. He's a 6'9 forward, scoring 15 points a game. He shoots 43% from beyond the arc. And as we know, Drake has struggled with two things this year, and that is really quick guards who can create their own shot and bigs who can shoot from distance. And with his return, Evansville has won four of their last five games, losing on a buzzer beater against Murray State last game. But they did then beat this Bradley team that Drake just beat by three. So it's a whole new team, essentially, because not only does he just put up those points, but he changes the way the rest of the team plays and he imbues them with a sense of confidence that was sorely lacking when they visited Drake in Des Moines.
1: Yeah, they're a completely different team with Ben in, in the lineup when they fell off the face of the earth it was directly it directly coincided when when he got hurt that's when they went on their big skid so we can definitely expect a much different game and I hate sometimes when we really destroy a team because you know that this is going to be so personal to them because they got embarrassed in Des Moines losing by 50 points when they were shorthanded so you know that they're going to come out fully trying to the headline be from, you know, 49 point loss to victory. And with Humacris, they are a different team. You know, the thing that he is 6'9", so he can really shoot it, you know, over the top of anyone. I would imagine that it's probably going to be Overton that gets the assignment on him. But yeah, that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy that you have to focus on and slow down. And you definitely cannot be going into that hoping or thinking, hey, we, we destroyed this team just a few weeks ago in Des Moines. Because when you take out the stretch that they went through without him in the lineup, Evansville has been a very good team all season. And as you said, four out of five, and that one loss was a buster beater at Murray State, and they also beat Bradley at home. Uh, so that shows you the quality of opponent that they can be when they're fully healthy. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Bradley,
0: started off 6-0 and and then lost five or six in a row once Connor Hickman went down. It's just, yeah, it's night sorry. and day. And it's gonna be up to the coaching staff and the players to get in a mindset where they can approach this game without thinking about last one. Cause you know, as a player, it's gonna be very tough. Like you can say all the right things. You can say, we're fully locked in on Evansville. This game, no different than any other game in terms of preparation. But it's just human nature. If you beat a team by 50 points, there's a part of you that is probably going to be saying, "Yeah, but I mean, we're going to be, we're going to win this game." And <laughs> it's going to be a challenge for them. They're going to have to overcome
1: that. Yeah, and one thing that kind of reminds me a little bit of the Indiana State game, the first go around, Evansville had no answer for Brody. Like they had no idea how to guard him. They were sending like doubles, triples, and. It was just their defensive game plan against Brody was all over the map where Brody was just finding open shooter after open shooter or just dunking it or laying it up himself. I expect that they'll have a better approach or a better game plan on how to slow down Brody. I don't think doubling Brody is ever the answer because Drake does a good enough job of passing the ball and has enough shooters where they'll just kill you if you start doing that. So I expect they'll learn that lesson. Okay let's not just throw like four people at Brody. How do we slow him down or how do we stay at home with him? And I think that's going to look like a lot different than the first matchup with Drake.
0: Yeah, because Drake has a similar advantage that they had against Bradley in terms of Evansville's primary big man, Yasin Toomey. Uh, He's listed at 6'10", 200 pounds on ESPN, which I mean, they even gave Darius Hanna 205. So This guy is an inch taller and five pounds lighter. So Brody should be able to move him pretty much at will. It'll be interesting to see how they handle him. Because like you said, doubling is a really bad choice against Drake just due to the shooting that the Bulldogs have. But at some point, it's like, what's your option when you've got a guy that weighs roughly 100 pounds less than the guy he's guarding?
1: Yeah, and I think you'll see a lot of what Indiana State tried to do to Brody in the second matchup, which was stay at home and then the second Brody dribbled it was a double it was a dig or I should say it wasn't a hard double it was a I'm gonna dig at the ball each time I'm sure they've looked at that tape of this is how we can try to attack Brody and and Drake should be ready for it how do you counterattack that adjustment for Drake that just means
0: you need to space shooters more and get guys away from Brody so that their men aren't close enough
1: to come down and digging at the ball when he has it. Yeah, because like you said, at Evansville, everyone is kind of—they don't have a big body like Brody. They got guys that can shoot it. You know, they got some length. You know, their guards are sometimes really good, sometimes okay. You know, so yeah. I mean, that, now that I'm saying it out loud, they do kind of sound like Bradley, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> just how they play. I don't know. I I, I hope that they come out focused because similar to the Indiana State loss, you know, you just went through an emotional game, you know, big win. You can't have a letdown. You you really can, because I think Drake is in prime position to, if you have a good week this week with Evansville and then Murray State at home, you can really just lock up that two seed and just start thinking about, okay, you know, we got to win three in three days in Arch Madness.
0: Anything more you want to dive into about Evansville or should we move on?
1: No, just we'll say one more time, do not overlook the Aces. They're going to be ready for Drake. The Drake Basketball Podcast official position, don't overlook the Aces. Stamp of
0: approval, we co-sign on that. Yep, co-signed, notarized, uh, submitted to City Hall. All right, well, coming up after Evansville on the 18th, we are home against Murray State. And Murray State is currently one of three teams with a 7-7 and record in the Valley that are tied for fifth place. So this game has big ramifications for the conference race as a whole. And they're led in scoring by senior guard Rob Perry at 12 points per game. They're quick. They're athletic. They aren't an incredible shooting team overall at 32% but there are two guys that you have to find and that is former Belmont Bruin Jacoby Wood who shoots 42% from 3 and Quincy Anderson who knocks down triples at a 39%
1: clip. Eduardo, what do you expect to see here? I think Murray State is probably the best 10 and 15 team you've ever seen. I mean their record is just kind of bizarre cuz they had a pretty bad non-conference. They did play some some decent teams, but Honestly, they've looked pretty good most of the year in the Valley. So I think Murray State is one of the more inconsistent teams in the country. I think the key is Rob Perry and not allowing him to go downhill and put him in the line. Because that's really how they win. Like you said, they're a little bit more rugged, more athletic, uh, more physical. And they like driving the ball. They like getting you in foul trouble, especially with Rob Perry. He's so physical at the guard position. Uh, So that's what he's going to do. He's going to drive it, and then he's going to try to find the open shooters uh, if you close him off. So we have to do a good job of not fouling and not letting his size affect our defense, essentially.
0: Yeah, Steve Prohm built Murray State's success back when they were on the OVC on recruiting big athletic guards. And at that level, they were sort of able to dominate conference play that way because he would just get guys and they would run you out of the gym. I don't know if you've ever heard of he's an NBA player. I think it's Ja. Is it Ja Morant? It's Jay Moore, I think, is what you. Oh, Jay. Jay yeah, Jay Moore. He recently <laughs> had some issues uh, with his shooting, but. <laughs> yes. Lots of, uh, lots yeah, of issues no. with shooting. <laughs> Uh, For anyone having a heart attack, John Morant was a guy who played for Murray State down when they were in the OVC, obviously an all-star now in the NBA. But this roster is built up of a lot of athletic swingmen type guards. Where we have the advantage is that they do not have a true center. Their starting lineup goes 6'7", 6'6", 6'4", 6'4", 6'2". So this is yet another game where... I would look for the Bulldogs to be trying to pound it inside to the post and kick when they double. Because I can definitely see them trying to double down and swipe when Brody gets it. They're probably going to have to foul just because 6-7 is going to be real tough to contain
1: Brody with. Right. That's, you know... Brody has to have a big game. We have to take advantage of the size. You mentioned they're they're couple shooters, but I think by and large, you know, they're not a great three-point shooting team. So I think that's what Drake is going to try to do, kind of employ the uh, Southern Illinois defense of close off the paint and just force the role players to beat you with their three-point shooting. Cuz like you said, like yeah. Prom's teams have always been physical, downhill, big guards attacking What you want to do is turn them into a three-point shooting team uh, when that's not their specialty and and try to force the guys that don't have the high percentage to take those looks.
0: Really, Jacoby Wood and Quincy Anderson skew the percentage to make it look better than it is as a team because other than those two, the only other player on their roster who shoots 30% from three is Rob Perry, who shoots exactly 30% from three, and everyone else is
1: 20 or lower. That's going to be the key is can Drake force the worst shooters to take those shots instead of the good shooters and it's Mm -hmm. it's easier said than done I think we match up pretty well with them you know we beat Murray State twice last year including in Arch Madness or was it three times I can't remember we beat them three times they did not beat us last year I can tell you that um and we and we took them down in the NBC quarterfinals as well uh so I think we match up pretty well with Murray State but we haven't seen them this year when they're playing well they can be very effective they lost by 4 at, with Mississippi State for example they've been 7 and 7 and and really have been in the upper tier of the conference like the entire season so definitely have played a lot better in conference play and and like you said i think for them this is a big game cuz they're trying to jostle for position they can finish anywhere probably from 5 or 6 to 9 or 10 these games for them will make big impact on their overall seed
0: yeah i mean right now they're only a game behind southern illinois who's in fourth place right so theoretically a top four seed is still in play so yeah they're going to be coming at this game i think with a lot to play for and drake needs to make sure that they show the intensity that this matchup deserves absolutely
1: that's all we got for you i think eduardo do you have anything else uh, in the tank no i, I think that's it We'll we'll enjoy the Bradley win, at least one more day before we have to look ahead to Evansville and, and Murray State. Just a fun weekend, man. Bradley talks so much crap. So it was good to see Drake come out on top and have a good performance. And we still have at U and I and Bradley at home, so still some really fun games left in the year. Yeah, that Bradley
0: game to close out the season is gonna be wild. I just hope we wear the throwbacks. We haven't worn the throwbacks yet this
1: year, and those are the best jerseys we have, yeah, I feel like that's a throwback throwback day. We might wear them against you and I. I bet you we wear them at you and I at you and I. Yeah,
0: I see that. We've been going after the grays hard this year, and
1: the grays are my least favorite jersey. Our record's pretty good. I know sidelines and admirer were were going around on Twitter. I think uh, we're eight yep. and two now with with the Grays, so so not bad. And we should stop playing in the blues because I think we're are just above 500 in the blue jersey. So I think we should just stop that entirely.
0: Are you sure? I need I need to pull this up real quick. I thought we had a better record than that
1: in the blues. I believe the blues is our worst jersey. But if I am, then I will stand corrected. If you're right, then I will stand corrected is what I meant to say.
0: All right, here we go. Uh, this is according to... To Michael Admire, with a shout out to Tanner Neeson and Danny Ferre, who works for Drake Communications, it looks like. In the Darren DeVries era, Whites are 80 and 17, Throwbacks are 7 and 3, Blues are 43 and 28, Des Moines hometown team jerseys are 4 and 3, and Grays are 7 and 2. This season we're 5 and 3 in blue and 3 and 2 in gray, with a perfect 10 and 0 record at home in the uh, Bulldog Whites.
1: Okay. So that was from, that was from the previous, like before this season. Got it. Got it. So it sounds like we need to burn the Des Moines hometown jerseys is what I heard. (laughs) I wanted to burn those for a while, but we played all right in them this year. So yeah, and
0: that's no shade directed at Boz Prince because they're beautiful jerseys. Like I love them. I own
1: one of them, but it gets nerve wracking sometimes when I see them pop out yes let's let's clarify because boss prince i own a lot of their merchandise they do awesome work this isn't personal we're just extremely superstitious and if we have to uh remove the des moines hometown team jersey we might have to but not because the designs aren't legit speaking of superstition i was looking at the mvc message
0: board and someone on there posted they just found out that roman garrett And Tucker were all on IVs last year before the NCAA tournament game for food poisoning. And I was wondering if Coach DeVries is just going to be packing peanut butter sandwiches for the entire team if we go back to uh, the tournament this year. I can't see him taking a loss again due to food poisoning.
1: You know, it's not a bad idea. Just bring PB&J, bananas, water. That's it. That's the diet. You can have oatmeal. You can have oatmeal for breakfast. We'll do oatmeal. Peanut butter and jelly, banana, water, that's it. Bottled water, we'll bring our own, and uh, you know, we'll play it safe. I just want to know what we were eating. That three guys got food poisoning. I mean, it, it was- probably was not a great choice to go to Fogo de Chow <laughs> like before the game. Wait, I did
0: just get an inside tip sent to my message box that says that Jim Laranega was seen sneaking out the back door of the Fogo de Chow. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I guess if we could find out what the restaurant was, uh, that'd be be pretty funny. A
0: shout-out to anyone listening who knows the answer to that. What restaurant did Drake go to before last year's
1: NCAA tournament? Yeah, because, you know, the food poisoning slash flu game with Michael Jordan still has so many unanswered questions, but (laughs) I'm very confident we'll be able to get to the bottom of this with Drake basketball.
0: Got a big network out there that's going to be looking into this. That's all. We've got for you today. Looking forward to the next couple games against the Aces and the Racers. Great victory over Bradley. Let's keep it up. Let's go, dogs.
1: Go, dogs.